This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me on today's program in segments two and three is Dr. Bob McHugh. Uh, Bob is a technical analyst. He was on a program uh, during uh, the month of January this year. Uh, He said during that broadcast that the top was in in stocks and lower prices were ahead. He was dead on correct, and I've got him back today to get his updated forecast. So you'll want to stay tuned for that in segments two and three. Also today, I have the first opportunity for you to get a hold of the June special report. The June special report is titled Mid-Year Market Update, What to Consider Now for Your Money. Uh, If you'd like to get a copy of that report as well as some bonus information, all you need to do is visit the website requestyourreport.com. The website again is requestyourreport.com and I'll be very glad to send you a copy of that June special report. I'm going to be talking about that special report uh, during this segment. I've often stated the the problem with a market update report or a market forecast report is that it contains time-sensitive information and the report is typically written three to four weeks before delivery. Now, this report was written just a little over two weeks ago uh, as this broadcast airs. So it's relatively fresh, and the June special report takes a look at stocks, takes a look at U.S. Treasuries, takes a look at gold, takes a look at agricultural commodities, and I give you my take as to where these markets are likely going to go uh, over the rest of the year. So in this segment, I thought I'd talk a bit about stocks and give you my take, and then in the next couple segments, we'll get Dr. Bob McHugh's take. Now, the June special report... Uh, forecast that we would likely see a little bit of a rally in stocks, which uh, I would view as a counter trend rally, which that seems to be playing out as well. Uh, But big picture wise, um, I talked in the report about an indicator called the Buffett indicator. Now, the Buffett indicator um, is actually a fraction And the top of the fraction has total market value, total market capitalization. Put another way, that's the total value of stocks. And the denominator of the fraction, the bottom number on the fraction, is total total economic output. So we have total value of stocks divided by gross domestic product. It's a very effective way to measure the value of stocks since pricing stocks in dollars as they are priced, as the dollar is devalued, it tends to skew your numbers. So when you take a look at the Buffett indicator and take a look at the total value of stocks and divide it by economic output, and you go all the way back to the tech stock bubble in calendar year 2000, that market cap to GDP indicator stood at about 159%. Let's call it 160%. So in approximate terms, the total value of stocks at that point was 1.6 times the economic output of the United States. Now keep in mind from that level, stocks valued at 1.6 times the economy, from that level, stocks fell more than 50%. Now a second important reference point is in 2007. That's when stocks peaked just prior to the financial crisis. 
Now, at that point, stocks were valued, again, in approximate terms, at about 110% of U.S. economic output. From that point, stocks once again fell more than 50%. Now, get a clear picture of this in your mind. At the peak of the tech stock bubble, stocks were valued at 1.6 times the economic output of the United States. And at the stock peak at the time of the financial crisis, stocks were valued at 1.1 times economic output. Late last year, the Buffett indicator rose to 216%. In approximate terms, 2.2 times the U.S. economy. Prior to this particular market peak, which I believe the market peaked last year, as we'll talk about more in this segment, we had a value of 1.6 times the economic output and stocks fell 50%. We had 1.1 times economic output. Stocks fell more than 50%. We're now at 2.2. So what is likely going to be the outcome? Well, at those levels, it wasn't really rocket science to predict that a stock decline was highly likely. Now, as a side note, for stocks to return to the historic average of the Buffett indicator, they would need to fall 70% from these rather lofty levels. Now, at the time that I published the mid-year special report, the mid-year update, the June special report, and if you're just joining me, the June special report is titled Mid-Year Market Update, What to Consider Now for Your Money. I'd love to send you a copy of that report absolutely free, uh, no cost, no future obligation. It is just an additional resource I'd be glad to send you. All you need to do is visit requestyourreport.com, and I'll be very glad to get it out to you. So at the time I published this June special report, the time I wrote it, we saw the market at about a 20% correction. We saw really the market approaching an official bear market. Now, it's certainly dangerous business to, in an artificially, in an artificial economy with a lot of currency being created, it's pretty dangerous business to predict where stocks go. But in December 2021, because of the Buffett indicator, because of some other technical indicators, it seemed like it was safe to call a top in the market. Well, it turns out, at least at this point, that it appears to be, that appears to be correct. Now, stocks, as you know, if you've got money in a 401k or an IRA, you know stocks fell hard. Whenever stocks fall hard and fast, often you see what I call a counter-trend rally. I mentioned that earlier in this segment. So what is a counter-trend rally? Well, I drew on an S&P 500 chart a downtrend line. I drew a downtrend line starting in December of 2021, and I drew it through the present time. And stock values stock levels are much lower than that downtrend line. So it would be relatively normal activity for stocks to rally back up and approach that downtrend line. Now, from where it sits as I record today's program, I'm recording today's program on June 1, on on Wednesday. Looking at the S&P 500, stocks could rally another 6 to 6.5% from here, in my view, 
and still remain in a downtrend. Now, there is a phenomenon in markets that's often called a sucker's rally. And a sucker's rally is a rally that occurs often when the market is trending down, and it makes everyone think that everything is okay in the market. Everything is moving back to normal. And I think where we are now is very likely a sucker's rally because I think the market has to go lower from here. And I will talk to Dr. Bob McHugh about his take in the next segment. So if on the S&P 500 you see a rally from the current level of about just over 4,100, if you see a rally to 43 or 4,350 at that level, it's my view, it's my opinion that things are not back to normal. This downtrend likely does not reverse. This downtrend is likely still intact as long as the S&P 500 remains below 4,400. So I would be taking a look at that. But more importantly, I would like to invite you to request the June special report. Again, if you're just joining me, it's titled Mid-Year Market Update, What to Consider Now for Your Money. If you visit requestyourreport.com, I'll be very glad to send you a complimentary copy of the report as well as some bonus information that I think you'll find to be timely. Again, simply visit requestyourreport.com, and I'll be glad to get the June special report out to you. And again, mid-year market update, what to consider now for your money. And if you'd like to take advantage of our other resources, every Monday I do a weekly headline roundup newscast uh, that is posted uh, on the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates website at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. You can go check that out on the website as well. I'll be back after these words with Dr. Bob McHugh. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I am your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me on today's program once again is returning guest, Dr. Robert McHugh. Uh, Bob is probably the hardest working technical analyst in the business. Uh, for longtime listeners, you know that Bob was on the program uh, the first of the year, said that in his view, the highs were in in the market. Certainly that has turned out to be the case. I wanted to have Bob back for an update. And uh, welcome back to the program, Bob. Uh, thanks, Dennis. Great to be here again. So, Bob, your, uh, your, your, your insights in January uh, when you were on saying that it was your view the market tops were in, that we were likely going to see more downside, um, certainly has uh, been the case. For our listeners maybe that aren't familiar with the nature of your work, uh, could you just give them a bit of a primer? Sure. It's a technical analysis of stocks, uh, the stock market, and any other market, really, gold, oil, currencies, etc. And it uses a, a theory that uh, human behavior drives future prices and that the uh, collective psyche of all mankind has uh, all knowledge that's available to the planet, on the planet. And so, in a collection, uh, their group psychology will drive future prices in markets, and we have 
uh, in this science, uh, we have uh, patterns and wave mappings and indicators that measure the group psychology going on at any one time and provide the forecast for where prices are headed next in the different markets. Essentially, it's the markets themselves telling us where they're headed next. There's a language. There's a language with the markets that tell us where they're going next. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a kind of a different uh, approach to market uh, forecasting than fundamental analysis, which is the traditional earnings came in at this level and therefore the prognosis is the stock or this market will go up or down. And uh, we look at that more as that historical information and, or that uh, some of the events that happen, the news events that happen, come after the technical analysis picture has already forecast the direction of prices and the events just fulfill what the technical forecast was expecting all along. So, Bob, when, when you were on uh, about uh, five months ago and you suggested the markets would go lower, which is exactly what's happened, uh, fill us in a bit as to, you mentioned this language, fill us in a bit as to what you were seeing at that time and uh, what led you to make that call. Yeah, the, the pattern that stuck out the most was, uh, well, two patterns. One was a long-term uh, rising bearish wedge pattern, and there was another uh, pattern that was a little bit shorter term, but actually was pretty long term. It's from 2017, which is a Jaws of Death pattern or megaphone top pattern. And um, these are very highly reliable patterns. And when they're completed, uh, the, the, the direction of these markets always goes down, almost always. Uh, I did a, in my book uh, a full analysis of the uh, what I call a Jaws of Death pattern, which is a megaphone broadening top pattern. And I showed demonstrations over the last 100 years of, uh, I don't know, eight or nine separate situations which led to great recessions, recessions, and depressions. And we had another one of these complete toward the end of last year. So based on the history and the reliability of this pattern, it was easy for me to just simply read it and say, okay, the markets are headed down hard now. I don't know why. I don't know what news events are going to come. I'm not sure what's going to particularly scare people down, but the market knows and the group psychology knows there is some bad stuff coming. And then shortly after the first of the year, um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine happened. Uh, shortages became very uh, prevalent uh, among people. And then the inflation numbers went through the roof, which we kind of sensed was happening at the end of last year anyway. But finally, the Labor Department, the Commerce Department finally fessed up and said, yeah, it's, it's a pretty bad inflation scenario out here right now. So it was technology, technical analysis, knew there was going to be problems, knew this thing was headed down. It just didn't provide us with the specifics as to what will be the causal factors, why it's going down. Well, for our listeners that would like to learn more, Bob's website is technicalindicatorindex.com. The website, again, is technicalindicatorindex.com. Uh, Bob also has a platinum and silver trading service uh, where he uh, provides uh, trades for uh, anyone that might like to try to generate some additional income from their portfolio. And we'll talk more about that momentarily. So, Bob, given um, what you just said, um, what do you see now as far as uh, stocks go for the, the near future? Well, 
these are very, very large patterns. I mean, the one rising bearish wedge is from 1986. Uh, the the, uh, the jaws of death patterns from 2017. Uh, there's one in the S&P 500 that goes back much further than that. So these are major, major patterns. This is a conclusion of a very long, long-term, large bull market, which means that this coming bear market, developing bear market, which we're already in, has more to go. And there will be uh, sharp rallies from time to time that's typical in a bear market, which it fools people to thinking things are getting better, things are okay, uh, it'll be all right, but it's not done yet. And it's just a setup. Uh, there's a saying, the bear in the bear market, he doesn't want anybody to make money. He wants to fool the people that are pessimistic about the market and want to sell, and they want to. The bear wants to take money out of people that are optimistic about the market. It's a, when bear markets happen, it's very, very difficult to navigate. And this one's a big one. This is very, very big. This is bigger than the Great Recession of 2008, 2009. This is almost as big. Actually, I shouldn't say that almost as big. It's bigger than the Great Depression of the 1930s, if you look at the pattern sizes. So there's a real potential here for continuous decline in the stock market um, with occasional respite, breathing rallies, pauses, like we have seen the last couple of weeks here. That's normal. But the forecast I have is that uh, over time, this is an orderly crash. This is an orderly stock market crash. I think it could go down 75% before it's over, maybe 80%, um, based on the patterns. I'm not a seer. I'm not, uh, I don't have any gift here. It's just what the market's telling us off of these patterns that have been so reliable for so long. And there'll be, there'll be pauses. There'll be times where it's sideways and people kind of can catch their breath. But it'll be orderly as it has been. It's been an orderly crash since uh, late November and, and early January in all the different major markets, uh, stock markets. So that's, that's the forecast we see. Well, Bob, when you say that this uh, has the potential to be bigger than the Great Depression, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty ominous thought. Um, and you mentioned 75 to 80%. I believe in the, at the time of the Depression, uh, stocks might have dropped about 90%. So, so you're saying we could see something very similar uh, to what we saw or, or what, what those around at the time saw in the uh, early 1930s. Yes, that's what I'm seeing based upon what the markets are telling us. So, Bob, in a uh, often when you have a, uh, a traditional asset allocation program, so many people that have money in a 401k or an IRA, uh, they have money in stocks, they have money in bonds, and there's an old rule of thumb that I never really uh, heeded uh, that says, you know, you should have approximately your age in bonds. But, um, you know, this time around, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical that uh, U.S. Treasuries are going to be a safe haven. What's your take? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. There, there is. It's very difficult to look for a safe haven. I don't think there is a safe haven anymore, uh, per se. Um, you know, you have different options that have been traditionally safe havens: U.S. Treasuries, gold, sometimes the U.S. dollar. Um, but the problem that's mixed in here is, is inflation, hyperinflation. So that's eating up the value of the dollar. Um, you know, as far as the U.S. Treasuries, how dependable that is, it depends on 
Are we going to end up in a war with Russia? Uh, you know, who knows what's happening next? Um, now, is that maybe the best, most secure item? Possibly. But what if the government decides to, to do something strange and, uh, and take your money from you? I, I don't know. Uh, we've seen such strange things in the last three years. The entire world was locked down, locked down, the entire world for, for a year. That never happened before, ever, all the way back to Adam and Eve. It never happened before. So to say here that treasuries are safe, the, 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 uh, the government will, will honor their commitments, I, I don't know if we can say that. The, the, everything's different now. There's a whole new paradigm of life right now. And so um, we do the best we can with things we're familiar with, uh, cash on hand and under the bed, bed mattress in a, in a safe somewhere. It might be important in case they limit your ability to go to the ATM and pull cash. Um, something that defends against inflation. Gold generally does, although right now it's not really performing like that. Uh, as interest rates rise, a, a short-term U.S. Treasury is an option. Two-year Treasury possibly is a very interesting uh, term to work with during this period of time. Um, trying to make additional income is, is another strategy. Find another way to make it. If you have a job, get a second way to generate income, whether you're trading the market or you're, you got a second job or, 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 or doing something online, some kind of online business. We all have to become creative now to try to make sure that we're, we're going to be okay. So, Bob, we've got just a little bit of time left in this segment, so that would be a perfect opportunity for you to explain your platinum and silver trading services, if you'd be so kind. Sure. I mean, we came up with this uh, back in 2011, the, the platinum program, which is basically a, a market timing tool to try to make money using a small amount of money relative to your whole portfolio and trade options when the market goes up or down and try to generate uh, a net profit uh, the, the gains would be greater than any losses that come along the way. We'd like to try to target 75% wins, no more than 25% losses. We try to keep our limits invested very small. It's, it's like if we have a whole portfolio of a million dollars, we want most of that in cash right now. Um, but uh, we'll put some in bonds, short-term treasuries or something. We'll put some in gold. We'll put some in this speculative platinum program where we will try to generate additional income trading the market with a short maybe 15 percent of our portfolio and for those that don't like options we have another segment this the silver program which is where we try to make an additional income stream with an exchange trader fund trade uh, and again we try to keep the amounts limited it's speculative there are losses but the, the, as long as the gains are greater than the losses we're in good shape. I mean, so far this year, we've made $120,000 on an average investment of about $10,000 in five months. It's been a very good year. We've played the market to go down, and we've done quite well. Some years, it's not that, that glamorous. Some years, but we play to go up and down either way, and, and it's just something to do to try to create a little extra income for, for the household. Well, I'm chatting today with Dr. Robert McHugh. His website is technicalindicatorindex.com. I will be back and continue my conversation with Bob after these words. Stay with us.
I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to RLA Radio. I'm chatting today with Dr. Robert McHugh. Uh, Bob is uh, the uh, host of the website technicalindicatorindex.com. I would encourage you to check out his work. He is, uh, without a doubt, uh, the hardest working technical analyst in the business. Uh, Bob, I kind of like to pick up, if we could, where, where we left off. And, um, you, you know, this may be a, an odd question to ask someone who's uh, a technical analyst, but. When you look at the fundamentals of, of government spending, you know, one of the things you mentioned in the last segment is that we have this inflation or hyperinflationary condition. Um, do you see that changing anytime soon based on this, this, this massive deficit spending the government has? And, and really, the Fed is indirectly monetizing that. So, I mean, aren't we on a, this, this, this course that's it's almost, you know, unlikely to reverse? Yeah, starting back with the lockdown, the uh, government in unison decided to pump all kinds of cash money dollars into the economy uh, irresponsibly actually um, you know they were handing out money left and right with with the uh, covid uh, check payments they were you know they've, they've uh, canceled student loan debt well that money has to come from somewhere and what was happening is a little parlor game where the fed would buy the treasuries from the government and then the fed would uh, print money and hand it over to the federal government and and they and then the federal government would issue new new treasuries, and the Fed would just buy them from the federal government and issue more money. So there's a parlor game going between the Fed and the federal government, and then the federal government would take that cash that they were getting from the Fed, and they were spending outrageously on a lot of things, giving it out, and so on. And some of it was needed. I I understand. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but the bottom line is there was like six or seven trillion dollars that the Fed pumped into the U.S. economy in about two years. That had never happened before. I mean, the most the Fed had raised its balance sheet, which is which is what happens when they pump cash into the economy, was maybe uh, half a trillion in, in a two- or three-year period or something. Um, but they did $7 trillion in, in two years. And what happened is it ended up uh, creating, uh, at least it was one causal factor for hyperinflation that we see now. The other causal factor was shortages, a mysterious shortage of goods and services goods and products on about everything. And, and I, I have yet to see a decent explanation for where the shortage is, why the shortage that happens. Um, and there's factories, there's, there's, they're open, people are working. Yeah, the lockdown for a short, short while had people not working anymore, but, but they're working and, and there's still these shortages. And so with shortages becomes hyperinflation. There's aggregate demand, demand for products and services are greater than what's available. We have a shrinking supply, and and this has created a massive hyperinflation, Hi, massive hyperinflation, and it's, it's it's a serious danger of becoming an inflation expectation that will feed on itself, and they'll never be able to get out from underneath it again. Well, Bob, when you look at the Fed's policy, I mean, a, a half-point rate hike, uh, if, you, if you compare that to the action that Paul Volcker took back in 1980, uh, you know, basically raising interest rates to the point that we had uh, real positive interest rates. I mean, in my view, you almost have to, to, to do something similar to, to, to the Volcker move to get inflation under control. And when you just do a little simple fourth grade math and take a look at uh, debt and deficits and, and how that gets financed, I, I don't think we can get there. What's your take? No, I agree. We can't get there. Look, the... Um the Fed has created this mess, and now they're going to try to reverse it 
and they're making it even 10 times worse. The problem is there's shortages. The problem is supply, aggregate supply, is not adequate to meet aggregate demand. And the, the Fed can only attack the demand side of the equation. They can't affect supply. And so their attempt right now, they're reversing course of what the mistakes they made the last two years. They're now going to raise interest rates rapidly, half a percent, they say, periodically. Uh, they are now going to suck out uh, about a trillion dollars a year from the economy that's going back into their, you know, back into their coffers. So that's a reduction, that's a contraction in, in the available money. And all this, their attempt here, what they're trying to do is reduce wealth, reduce family, household, business wealth, shrink demand. By, by reducing the wealth, by wealth destruction, to shut down spending, that's their attempt to try to shut down inflation. They're working a dangerous side of the equation that's going to cause a depression. They need, the answer has to be an increase in supply, and they're not working that side of it. And I don't think the federal government is either. So, Bob, if you think back to the 30s, which we talked about in the last segment, um, you know, that was a, a deflationary uh, time frame. So is it your view that at, at some point we get this crack-up boom that Ludwig von Mises talked about and, and we ultimately transition from this inflationary or hyperinflationary environment to something that's going to be severely deflationary? Yes. Yes, I do see that. This is a... Um, this is a... Uh, a curve. We're, we're up in a hyperinflation. The Fed is overreacting. Um, supply is not increasing. The government policy, economic policies are not aimed at increasing supplies. So what's going to happen is we're just going to land with wealth destruction, household and business wealth destruction, which is going to destroy the economy, destroy the stock market. And um, we've already lost $10 trillion in the stock market in the last six months. That number's never being produced, spoken about anywhere. Ten trillion, and that's household money. That's IRAs. That's that's four hundred one k's. So yes, I think eventually when they get their wealth destruction, their their orderly wealth destruction result, that'll lead to to to, to uh, deflation and depression, unfortunately. So, Bob, in the time we have left, I'd like to get your take on uh, some markets. And uh, you mentioned gold in the in the first segment. Uh, normally, in an inflationary environment, uh, you know, and, and and casting aside the official consumer price index, uh, we can all agree that you know the real inflation rate is certainly higher than that. Um, what's your take on uh, why gold hasn't performed the way maybe we would expect it to, and uh, wh where do you think it goes from here? Well, gold is, if you look at just a technical pattern, forget about the fundamentals for a minute, um, they're, they're inside a cup and handle pattern, which is a bullish pattern, very bullish, extremely bullish, very long term, goes back to 2012, and they're in the final handle pattern. This, this handle pattern's been going on for two years, and so technically, once it's complete, there'll be a huge upside breakout in gold. Um, why it's not moving quicker to the hyperinflation we have? It could be because the dollar has strengthened. Um, and the dollar is strengthening as the Fed is increasing interest rates, as they're pulling dollars out of the economy. Uh, that's going to that's strengthening the dollar a little bit, and uh, and, and, it, and it ties in versus what other international 
economies or countries are doing with their their currencies. So dollar, the, the gold is definitely going to be a, a very long-term bullish play here. I have it going up to three thousand, you know, in a couple of years, a couple of years from now. But right now, we're just stuck in this sideways technical pattern of uh, of the top and handle the handle portion. It's the best way I can answer it. So, Bob, when gold moves, do you expect silver will move lockstep with gold, or do you see something else there? Well, I think it will go lockstep with gold, because in the silver's case, what I have is a, a flag pattern, and again, same thing, they're in a consolidation phase, and flags fly at half mass. It rose sharply into the flag, it's been consolidating for a couple of years, sideways, picture of a pennant of a flag, and then once it completes, which is pretty close at hand, um, silver will also explode higher along with gold. So if your upside target on gold is $3,000 an ounce, uh, do you have an upside target for silver? 38. So, so pretty big move from here then. Um, yeah. Do you have an opinion on the real estate market? Often when you see stocks decline or real estate decline, the, the other market, you know, if stocks go, often real estate follows. Do you, do you, well, what's your forecast for real estate here? Real estate's going to fall. It's going to drop. It's been hyperinflated. It's been nuts, actually. Um, and uh, the problem is as wealth destruction hits households and businesses, um, it's going to turn from a seller's market to a buyer's market, and uh, there's going to be a substantial drop in, in the value of housing and, and, how, and prices uh, as people are forced to, uh, if they want to move, sell their house, they're going to have to drop their prices because the buyer's are losing the ability to uh, qualify for mortgages. They're going to lose their uh, their cash that they've had on their their, their investment values they've had on hand. Um, their, their their budgets are getting tighter. Uh, so that, that this is going to follow. It'll be uh, a follow of the. It'll follow the, the stock market. It's just uh, delayed a little bit because it's a it's a larger ticket item. It's a slower transaction, the process, and and so on. It's a bigger bigger item, but it will, I think it will follow the stock market down. Well, I'm chatting today with Dr. Bob McHugh. His website is technicalindicatorindex.com, and at that site you can learn more about his uh, platinum and silver trading service as well. Bob, the big, uh, in the time we have left, uh, you, you know, we should talk a bit about oil and gas prices because we have seen, uh, hasn't really been reported widely, but we have seen Many, many consecutive days of higher gas prices. Uh, many parts of the country now over $7 a gallon. I think J.P. Morgan came out and said that was going to be an average price. We see uh, gas stations on the West Coast now adapting their pumps to have two digits in front of the decimal. Uh, where do you see oil and, and, and gas going, and, and how are those correlated? Yeah, I, I see the same thing. It's going to be hyperinflated oil. Oil's got other issues. It's got supply issues, too. It, the oil's a response to supply issues. It's a response to what's going on with international warfare. I mean, in my book, I mentioned that whenever we've had this broad, this broadening top microphone jaws of death pattern in a subsequent recession, there's always been a war that goes with it. And um, oil's going higher. I have uh, right now the oil is priced around $115 a uh, barrel, and I have it going up to 200 at least $200 a barrel over the next uh, several years. Um, it's a shortage issue. It's, uh, it's going to be uh, a situation that, that just isn't going to get any better. 
So if we're seeing at this point uh, roughly, uh, you know, $5 gas, a little bit under that, um, we could be seeing $9 gas then is what you're saying. Yeah, I think we could see $10 gas. I do, $9 gas. I do. Maybe not right away, but it's coming. Well, uh, we are out of time. I hate to leave it on that note, but we will. My guest today has been Dr. Robert McHugh. His website is technicalindicatorindex.com. Bob, I always get terrific feedback when you're on the program. Appreciate you joining us today, and I'd love to have you back uh, maybe toward the end of the year for an update. Sounds great, Dennis. I really appreciate that, and uh, look forward to coming back again. Yep. We will return after these words. are listening to RLA Radio. I'm Dennis Tubergen, your host, and thanks again to Dr. Bob McHugh for joining me on today's program. You know, if you weren't with me for the first segment of today's program, I'd like to remind you that this is the first opportunity for all the listeners to request the June Special Report. The June Special Report is titled, Mid-Year Market Update, What to Consider Now for Your Money?, And the report talks about my forecast for stocks and U.S. Treasuries and gold and agricultural commodities going out through the rest of the year. And it gives you some thoughts on what to consider doing with your money. So, again, if you'd like to get a copy of that special report, just visit requestyourreport.com. I'd be glad to send you a copy. And, again, that report does come with some bonus information I'll talk more about in this segment. The website requestyourreport.com is where you go to request the June special report. If you listened to last week's RLA radio program or podcast, you know that my special guest was Murray Gunn, and uh, Mr. Gunn is an analyst with Elliott Wave International. One of the things that Elliott Wave does, I think, better than anyone is track social mood. And Murray made the argument that social mood drives markets. Well, if you're taking a look at a recent Gallup poll, that's certainly not good news for markets. Gallup released an article on May 31 titled, Economic Pessimism is Growing in the U.S. Now, Gallup has something called an Economic Confidence Index. And this Economic Confidence Index is basically a summary of how Americans perceive current economic conditions and what their outlook is and whether that outlook is positive or negative. So theoretically speaking, if there's 100 respondents and they all say that the economy's outlook is good, this Economic Confidence Index will be plus 100. All 100 surveyed are very positive. On the other hand, if 100% everyone says it's negative, then it's minus 100. Well, right now, that economic confidence index as of May is negative 45. Now, in March and April, it was negative 39. So if you look at this negative 45, that's a very pessimistic number. And what it tells us is that Americans are becoming a lot more pessimistic as to where the economy is going. It's the lowest reading that Gallup has had at any time 
going all the way back to 2009. So Americans are more pessimistic now than when the lockdowns took place, when the economy was closed down literally worldwide, as I talked about with Bob McHugh for a year. Now, when you break down the numbers, 14% of U.S. adults say economic conditions are excellent or good. 46% say they are poor, and 39% calls them fair. 20% of Americans say the economy is getting better, and 77% say it is getting worse. So that's not terrific news. Bottom line is that Americans have become increasingly more pessimistic in May from April, and that will likely lead to lower market expectations as well. Now, the current economy is also causing many Americans to delay their retirement plans. There was an article published on CNBC, and it was titled, 25% of Americans are delaying retirement due to inflation, a survey finds. And I'll give you just a little bit from this article. Americans' finances are being squeezed as inflation pushes up prices on things such as rent, groceries, and gas. Putting off retirement plans is mostly due to disrupted savings from increased prices, the survey found. 36% of survey respondents have reduced the amount that they're saving. That's better than one out of three. They're putting less away for retirement because they can't afford to save more. It's taking more income just to provide for necessities. Now, Paul Dilda, who is a, the head of consumer strategy at Harris Bank, said this, quote, We haven't seen this level of inflation in a very long time, and it's very daunting. He added that many people in or near retirement may not have considered this surge in prices in their financial plans. Well, I'm certain that that's the case. The last time we had inflation like this was more than 40 years ago. And in 1980, in response to this accelerating inflation, then Federal Reserve President Paul Volcker raised interest rates to 20%. In my view, as I mentioned on today's program to Dr. Bob McHugh, that's where interest rates are going to have to go to get inflation under control, and we're not even close to that number at this point. Now, as far as inflation goes, the CNBC article pointed out that younger Americans have been affected most adversely. More than 60% of those between the ages of 18 and 34 pulled back their savings contributions to make up for the rising costs of groceries and gas. Now, when you combine that higher cost of of necessities with the fact that the S&P 500 has been declining, you don't really have an opportunity or an incentive to save. So I look look for this to probably continue to uh, accelerate. I look for more downside in stocks, and I look for inflation to at least be maintained at these levels. If you'd like to get another opinion as to how you might want to plan for retirement, we have a strategy that we use called revenue sourcing, and I rarely talk about strategies on the program. Uh, But today, I think in light of uh, where markets are and in light of where we are, I thought it would be appropriate just to mention that revenue sourcing is a planning strategy that is designed to help you cope 
with not only the inflation we're seeing now, but the deflation that I believe will be inevitable as uh, inflation transitions over to a deflationary environment, as we talked about with Dr. Bob McHugh, perhaps as severe as the 1930s. So a good place to start is to get this report. If you request this report, I'll include a copy of the Revenue Sourcing Book for you as well. Just visit requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail a box of stuff, and I will do so at no cost or obligation to you. You'll get a copy of the June special report titled Mid-Year Market Update, What to Consider Now for Your Money. I'll also send you a copy of the best-selling revenue sourcing book so you have uh, you can see for yourself how this strategy might help you navigate this current environment and help you not be among those that have to delay retirement. That's my program for this week. Hope you got something you can use. I will be back again next week. 